It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 191, King Ammon. Luke 15:11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants." So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For a son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Manasseh lived out his days in relative quiet, staying out of trouble with the bit of cleanup in Jerusalem after his horrible relationship with the devil. I get the feel he did a bit of house cleaning, and he did worship God the rest of his life, but he was a bit reclusive, full of fear, trembling from the days of sin and fear of the Lord he experienced. His last years were not marked with the zeal for the Lord, nor did he do anything worth mentioning except as a vassal of Assyria, we have historical record that he helped build one of the palaces for the king of Assyria. But the weight of the shame on Manasseh of his years in sin must have been horrible. Without the shedding of blood and sacrifices, he would have been tormented by the weight of the shame of the sin that he committed. Regardless, he lives out his days in a shamed but redeemed king in Jerusalem. Adding to his list of failures as a king, he fails where so many of his fathers failed before him in raising his children. Enter his son, Ammon, to our story. His reign is brief and his life is cut short, and we could probably find some quick spiritual answers to his early death. Before we cover his son, there's more to the life of Manasseh we'll end up covering in this episode as we compare him to his son. But something to keep in mind is that Manasseh was a blessed child. 
we cannot fail to know that his father prayed and prayed for him. He was a blessed child spiritually and physically. I mean, Hezekiah was a godly man. And I get the feel that Manasseh was super blessed spiritually, but babied as a boy and into adulthood. He probably got whatever he wanted and probably was totally spoiled and allowed to do whatever he wanted. He wasn't guided and taught in the ways of God properly. That is just more of an assumption based upon his lifestyle. But there's more to this. He wasn't trained in character, most likely, but there was a blessing on him from years of intercession by his loving father. I mean, even if his father was distant and he was like many of the kings back then, he just kind of gave them off to someone else. If he was in the temples of the courts, he was praying to God. And in that process, he was praying for his child. He had anointed him. He had covered him. So there was a blessing on him from years of intercession by his loving father. If he was distant, he was still present in prayer. He lacked godly character, this Manasseh, yet he was not lacking in godly blessing. When he went to Panama City for vacation or when he went away to a party school in college, he tasted of the party life. This is Manasseh, and he forsook his father's ways. But God never forgot him and never stopped pursuing him. How does it go? Proverbs 22.6, train up the child in the way you should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. He released him to the Lord. He blessed him. There was something over his life, even though he didn't walk in it, that pulled him back later. More to follow on this as we compare the life of Manasseh and Ammon in this episode, and the power of praying over our children and those that come after us. All right, so let's cover the brief biblical account of the king Ammon, as sad as it is. 2 Kings 21.19 Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. He followed completely the ways of his father, worshiping the idols his father had worshipped and bowing down to them. He forsook the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and did not walk in obedience to him. Ammon's officials conspired against him and assassinated the king in his palace. Then the people of the land killed all those who had plotted against King Ammon, and they made Josiah his son king in his place. Overall, Ammon did the same as his father before him, and that, that's up to the point where he repented, and he never, Ammon never repented. He becomes king at 22 years old and is thrust into the place of power and prestige. We find that he probably did one more evil thing that his father didn't complete. He went further in the destruction of the scrolls and books of God. And while Manasseh was full of demons and he committed horrible crimes, his son was as well. And whatever scrolls of the prophets or books of God his father recovered, it appears Ammon, his son, destroyed them. Eradicating every known copy uh, was called the Book of the Law. And as far as we know, literally, the book of the law was missing in the land, for the only copy was later discovered in the reign of Josiah. And this, in this short reign, I think this, you know, basically the destruction of the Bibles as we know it in the world, that's what it was like in this time. And it was enough to trigger an early judgment on this king. And after a brief period the son of the wicked king, but repentant, 
Manasseh, is killed and replaced. It's almost sounding like the kings of Israel instead of Judah. Almost like one of those evil sons of Ahab finding judgment so early in their kingship. So there's not much else on Ammon unless you compare himself with his father and ask the obvious question, why did his father get to rule over 50 years? And this this guy, what appears to be just less than two years, the answer leads to a really cool observation on the power of generational blessing, which we'll end the episode with. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, why did Ammon get judged or put to death so quickly? Why did he not survive while his father lived 50 plus years as king? There's a parallel here to Ahab, who was so terribly wicked and he reigned a long time, but his sons didn't have a lot of second chances. They died very young. Here is Ammon. His wicked father got many, many years, 50 plus. Ammon, wicked as his father before him, only got two. There just doesn't seem to be a tolerance for the wicked children of the horrible kings who repent. Ahab, our first example, now followed by Manasseh. I think the answer in the case of Manasseh is that his godly father covered for him. If you imagine how bad Hezekiah wanted a son, and when he did get a son, he must have adored him and prayed and fasted, and whatever he could have done with him, he did. He must have prayed and prayed for his son, anointed him at a young age, and covered him in prayer. It was this prayer that probably extended God's grace over Manasseh. The answer is generational prayer. In the case of Ammon, who prayed for him? Maybe his father Manasseh in his late years, but all the other prophets were no more because Manasseh killed him. The prayer of a righteous man avails much. Hezekiah was righteous. Manasseh, hardly. Manasseh may have become righteous at the end of his life, but his son was probably already a teenager by the time he was uh, repentant with God. It's a safe statement that Ammon didn't have much intercession or prayer or covering over his life. A covering of grace, if you want to call it. When a parent prays for a child, God's grace extends over them. The power of blessing and God's covering and the blessing of a praying parent is unbelievable. When I pray for my children, even even babies, I speak over the entirety of their life with blessing and identity and favor and grace, which invites God to cover them and to carry them through um, all times, good or bad. Protect them and bless them to be with them, to, to be with them and bless them the entirety of their life. How's that verse go again? Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he was old, he will not depart from it. When Ammon sinned greatly, there was no abounding love that covered him. The prophets were dead. His father didn't do it early early enough. There was no priestly sacrifices. His father didn't cover for him too much, at least. And the prophets were dead. And oh yes, the life of the word was extinguished in the land. There was no living word. The Bible was no more. Thus, in his sin, he was hopeless. There was a washing away of sin that occurs when the word is read. But where was the word? Here's the reference, and it's related. It's related to marriage, but 
there's a truth about when the Bible is read, there's actually a washing of sin or a washing away of the flesh and desires. And there's a filling of the Spirit, even when you read your Bible. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. When Ammon extinguished the word in the land, he cursed himself and his nation. The result was the opposite of life. The result was death. Now let's consider the prodigal son. He had a loving and kind father who cared for him, gave him his inheritance and prayed for him, even after grieving his loss every day. He's watching for him to return. It's amazing. He's the real hero of the prodigal story, the loving father. Hezekiah covered his son. He may have failed in instilling identity and character in him and to prevent him from sin, but he still prayed for him and covered him all the days of his life. And he wasn't there. I mean, he, he does die when the boy's, maybe he's 12, you know, but he prays for him so that he would never not return back to God. God in his heart redeems and fulfills the prayers of his people. God himself is the loving father of the story of the prodigal son. God in his heart redeems and fulfills the prayers of his people. Ammon didn't have this over his life, while his father, as reckless and sinful as Manasseh was, he did. So what about our other example, Ahab? Well, Ahab was probably the target of so much of Elijah's prayers. God was more than happy to grant him mercy time and time again. Eventually, Ahab exhausted the prayers of the prophet in his unended wickedness. Upon Elijah's death, it appears Elisha didn't cover for Ahab's family. Instead, he ended up being the object of anointing of his replacement. Prayer and the receipt of mercy extended Ahab's life. The lack of it ended his family line. It's the covering and the prayer of protection that covers our people, our family members, our loved ones, even our nations. In the end, Ammon serves to teach us the same lesson that is on repeat today and all through history. Whatever you bow your knee to in your life, is what you're subject to. Ammon worshipped his idols and he became like them, worthless and lifeless and deserving of death. And Second Chronicles adds one specific phrase to the account of Ammon, that he failed to humble himself to God, unlike his father. Though Ammon didn't receive God's mercy, it never says God failed in reaching out to him. But God did something even better. He called out to his son, who becomes a righteous king, and he gave him the gift of zeal. Instead of mercy granted to another king, a great gift, a greater gift was given to Israel. And the fact that, that the gift of, you know, he could have given mercy, he was offering mercy to Ammon, he didn't receive it, so he gave an above and beyond gift of grace. And the gift of grace, this greater gift to Israel, was the gift of Ammon's son, Josiah. God's grace was upon his nation, with the last great king of Israel being his son, Josiah. 
And Josiah will become our example of a young man on spiritual steroids, pushing his physical and spiritual limits and nation's limits, an extreme personality of faithfulness, combativeness, aggressiveness, and faithfulness to God, rivaling all kings before him in one specific um, word is zeal. King Josiah surprises us with his bold actions and unrivaled forceful nature funneled toward the kingdom of God. The exciting times of Josiah and the conquest of empires is coming. And before we advance here, we need to pray for the next generation, our next generation. We need to be like Hezekiah, not in his physical failure as a father, but in his spiritual success as a father. But he, he had that strange moment with the Babylonians where he, where he says, uh, you know, at least it's not in my generation. So there, there's something still a little off there with Hezekiah, but we know he prayed and anointed. And, he, and we know even maybe even Isaiah was there upon the anointing of Manasseh. There is no doubt Hezekiah prayed so much for his son Manasseh that he undoubtedly led to the great restoration of him. It's like his some of his final fruit, even after his death. So this is where we pray for our children and those spiritual descendants or disciples of ours. I heard a preacher once say that he wants to make it next to impossible for his children to not walk with God. Could it be that our belief in God's promises is so much greater than even their desire of the flesh or even their own free will? that the heavenly pull will be so relentless in their lives that they will live a life of encounter and faith in Jesus himself on a daily basis. So blessed, so covered, that their only option will be to choose life daily. God, I pray for the listeners out there, for their spiritual and physical children, that they're covered in God's grace and his love and his mercy, that you never fail to continue to pour out your love on them, that you grant them wisdom and grace and a mind of peace, that you guide their steps and their actions all the days of their lives, that their life will be marked with divine appointments and seasons and times of fresh experience with the living God, that they would love the word, God's word, and then they walk in faith and grace all the days of their lives, bearing heavenly fruit in and out of season. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com. Share the Facebook page or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.